Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Remy Martin, the official cognac of the JT The Brick Show. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. It's time for JT The Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT The Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. Hour number two of the show, JT, here in Vegas. Brought to you by the DeCastaverde Law Group. Alex in Orlando to Castaverde and what they now mean for the show. Our new personal injury attorneys, I've been telling you all about that. I had some coffee with Alex, went to the law group, saw their unbelievable location at Tivoli Village, their staff. Got a chance to meet some young attorneys, some young new people who work for their team there who are fantastic and really passionate about helping you out if you get into an accident. The Castaverde Law Group, proud partner of our show, really excited to work with them as we kick off hour number two. Harry Ruiz will join us in about five, six, seven minutes, and then at the bottom of the hour, Miles Simmons will jump on from Pro Football Talk. So we got a busy show the rest of the way. The breaking news, the Colts fire Frank Reich. And they hire Jeff Saturday, reportedly, as the head coach. And they play the Raiders on Sunday. And the Raiders should slaughter them. If the Raiders really believe their backs beyond up against the wall, the ship has sailed, all that, you would think the Raiders, for you, the fans of the team would come out there and put together a beatdown. I felt really confident about this. I didn't feel confident about New Orleans. I thought Jacksonville would be a lock. I think Indy should be a lock. I think they can beat Denver and Seattle, too, only if they play well and they don't blow leads. So I don't know. You know, they're not playing coming up in the next three weeks. Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. They're not playing Kansas City again. They're not playing the Chargers right here in front of us. Some of the better teams in the league, the Buffalo Bills. You know, some good teams in the league, the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a chance to play well, but I'm not looking past Indy. Sorry, I'm not looking past Indy. I'm not looking past anybody after what just happened in Jacksonville. Joe in Vegas, lead us off this hour. Thanks for being patient. Go ahead. Hey, JT. I agree with you on a lot of things you're saying today. I'm not going to be a Debbie Downer, Mm -hmm. okay? we got to get behind Josh, and we got to give him a chance, okay? Just firing him, to me, is stupid, all right? you got to give the guy a chance. you got to let him coach these guys up. I I think he needs to take a step back, let the offensive coordinator call the plays, coach the team. Mm -hmm. He needs to coach the team and, and, and build the team up. Okay, he needs to be that rah-rah guy on the sidelines a little bit and coach the team. That's what we need right now. We need to have all the season ticket holders do not sell your tickets, okay? If you don't want to go to the game, give them to a friend, give them to your kids, give them to some guy that's got a little kid, let him take his kid to the game, enjoy it. Let's have a good home crowd. Let's get up for the Raiders, okay, and let's try to pull this team to a win. Okay, let's do our part as fans. The, the defense is soft. 
We don't have. They can't do the scheme that what they want to run him and stuff like that. But just sitting here, just beating the hell out of them. I beat the hell out of them last week on your show. I'm not going to do this week. I want to bring this team up. The season ticket holders need to go to the game. We need to be loud and we need to stick up for our local team. Go Raiders! Yeah, that's a great phone call. At least I appreciate it. I don't know if everybody else does. That's that's what you do. That's what you do if you're a season ticket holder and a diehard fan and you want the team to win. I know Gorilla Rilla and Senor and Violator and Cisco and everybody I know in the black hole aren't going to tailgate saying, hey man, let's all do a shot and hope we lose. These are the people that want to win. I hang out with those people. Those are the people that want to win. And we're dipping the show in reality and really hitting them hard for the way they're losing. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game on Sunday. I got friends coming into town. I want to go. I want to see a Raider victory. Want the excitement of a home Raider game. What Allegiant Stadium looks like. And I hope for Mark Davis, his team wins. That's it. That's me. That's who I am. You don't have to like it. I could give a crap if you like it. I can actually say that on my show. I could give a crap if you don't like it or not. I want the team to win every time I go into Allegiant Stadium and anchor the pre- and post-game show from the torch. That's it. And I take all your calls during the week if you don't want them to win. So I'm fair on this, and I'm trying to be trying to be balanced on this by letting fans just go crazy. I can do one of those national shows where we don't take a call for a month. To sit there and replay interviews and, and all that. We are here to put our head down and figure this out. It's been hard, man. It's as hard, and it's the most difficult time we've had because it's Vegas, and we haven't experienced that in Vegas. Eight and eight, ten and seven. Two and six. Eight and eight, and ten and seven. There were some rough shows along the way, some bumpy roads, some shows, but you know, this is this is completely uphill. We haven't dealt with this at all in Vegas, especially our new audience who are new Raider fans. Let me get to Robert in Portland, who's been patient. Robert, thanks for calling back. Go ahead. JT, uh, great job last night, as, al- as always. But, you know, you brought up a good point about Carr. We know what he is. You know what he is. You've watched him long enough. And he isn't mobile to the point where he can save you on third down and long, like hmm. Lawrence did on a number of times last yesterday. It's just the nature of football now. My point is, I tried to just dissect why they lost to Arizona, and it was as simple as this. Arizona was going to go four-down territory every damn time they had the ball, and the, the problem was when the Raiders got the ball back, they on third-down efficiencies, they were zero in the second half. That's why they lost. That's why they coughed up the lead. Against KC, uh, you know what happened. Mahomes started getting third-down plays. He didn't, he didn't fail on any third-down plays in the second half. And that's when you see the Raiders start to falter, and it happened to yesterday. The car would get the ball, third-down efficiency was zip in the second half. It's just the way, you know, football works. Third-down efficiency on both sides of the ball will dictate normally the winner of the game. And because the Raiders aren't dominant up front on defense or on their offensive line, because, uh, you know, we don't have the 2016 offensive line anymore. Mm-hmm. Carr doesn't have that. And that's really hurt him because he's not a very mobile quarterback. I think that's the reason they lost these three games the way they did. But who, what really hurts is when Carr is under pressure, like most quarterbacks. When they're under pressure, unless they, don't, unless they have the ability to be, you know, running out of the pocket with efficiency, they, they struggle. That's mm-hmm. when... 
quarterbacks aren't throwing at 50%. They're throwing at 40%. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Robert. And again, I appreciate the call. Thank you. When when you're not running at all, when you're not running at all in a make-or-break, do-or-die football t- game and your quarterback doesn't spin out of being sacked and grabbed at the ankle and run forward and get you nine yards at a critical point of the game, it's hard to win in this league. I mean, I'd say this to Derek's face. This is not bad. We're not saying bad. Derek has to run. The team can't win without him running occasionally. If he doesn't run at all, the team's not going to win, period. Because most quarterbacks in this league run aggressively throughout the course of a game or run out of necessity. When Derek's up 17-0 at Jacksonville, 20-10, to there are times in the game where he could win it by running with his legs. And we have to have the examples to show it. Now, there's not a lot of examples. It's not like 15 times where he could have ran it, 10 yards for a first down, but there's a few. And he's got to do that, and he's got to want to do it. And it's hard to do, man. Bullets are flying. He, he, he's, every time he snaps the ball and the, the ball gets snapped in the shotgun, he's looking around and there's chaos coming at him. There are, and he wants to wait for Devontae and Hunter to get open. I think there are just a few times, less than two or three, where he could run for 10 to 12 yards. We've seen him do it. It would have helped yesterday. It didn't happen. I think he was under tremendous duress, and running wasn't an option for him. I think if it was, they would have won the game. How about that? 702-365-9200. Harry Ruiz is the Latino voice of the Silver and Black. I heard him this morning on the morning tailgate with my friend Mike Pritchard. So, Harry, big picture. I mean, we want to be positive, get the Raiders a win here. But how dramatic was that loss from your perspective calling the game? Thanks, JT, first off, for having me. I mean, we went from a game against New Orleans where the Raiders didn't show up to a game against a uh, very beatable Jacksonville team that had come off of five straight defeats and a good start, but not a good finish. And that's what the what's dooming this Raider team, which seems that they can put two quarters together in a game, and at times it's the second and third, the third and fourth, or the first and the second, but just can't put a complete game. And that's why it hurts. That's why it's frustrating, because you know you got – good pieces you got good players but it doesn't seem that you have a good team that can be there from the start till the end i thought what i think is the big problem yesterday for me defensively as i was watching the game at the m was the amount of times that the cornerbacks let receivers go by them and they just stood there and they let them go to the deeper part of the secondary when there was no running game underneath and no screen passes now there could be screen passes to Alvin Kamara or to Travis Etienne, but I was surprised to see the corners let guys go and not go down fighting on the bump and run and playing man-to-man. When you're calling the game, do you see this when they give six to seven, eight yards of cushion in these critical games where they have to win and be more physical? Of course, they're giving a lot of space, and that is going to become a problem for your team if you allow it to keep happening. And that's something that if we watch from a monitor as we watch the road games and we see it even more when we're at the stadium, when we have a full perspective of all 22 from up at the top at the press box, it's something that if we watch it, how is it not being seen down on the field? And, of course, there are players that you want to be on their tail every single step of the way there are others that you give a little bit more space but that space has been becoming a huge issue for the Raiders and I know that fans love talking about 
well, the offense isn't doing this. And look, here's an open look. Why didn't the quarterback hit the wide receiver in this play? Mm. The reality is you look over at the time of possession for the Jaguars, and the they had a stretch where they converted seven consecutive third downs after having back-to-back series that they ended up in three and outs. They had seven consecutive third downs that they converted. Nine for 15, JT, that's 60%. Your defense isn't getting the offense off the field, and a lot of those third downs, it was through the air game. And definitely these cornerbacks, they're in big trouble right now in the silver and black. Harry Ruiz is our guest. I agree with you, and that's good analysis from you on the stats there. I see this coming. I don't have much confidence in Patrick Graham's defensive now. I don't have confidence in his scheme. I don't have confidence in the majority of the players. I do with some of them there. So I have to count, Harry, on the offense playing explosive the entire game. If you go up that easy, 17 nothing on two touchdowns to Devontae, you should have a 40-point game. That should have been the 38-point game. The table was set to literally destroy Jacksonville if they kept doing what they did in the first half. Now, let's be real. Jacksonville and Doug Peterson have good coaches. They changed up the game plan. Let's say they made it more difficult on Devontae. Who cares? Go down with Devontae when it's 20 to 10, 20 to 17, 24 to 20. Keep going to Devontae, get some flags. I think the refs would have given the Raiders a couple of flags there on plays that they just gave up on, threw the ball out of bounds, and checked down. When you check down on third down, a ref isn't going to throw a flag other than holding on the offense for checking down for for a player there. So I just wish they'd throw it to the sticks. The last play of the game should have been a Hail Mary down the middle of the field, not a lateral. What was that all about? It was DeMond pointed it out. It was 4th and 17. It wasn't 4th and 30. You got Devontae Adams. By the time you pass protect, he should be 15, 16 yards upfield. It's 4th and 17. You throw a high ball to him, he catches it. He comes down. You got a chance. And we're throwing laterals back and forth? What was that? Yeah, and they, didn't, they weren't even able to move the ball in that series because it was a first and 10 incomplete pass, second and 10 incomplete pass, third and 10, a sack, and they need to get everybody up to the line of scrimmage to try to get a final play out. And they were like, all right, it's our right now we're too deep in the 18-yard line. Let's do something out of the picture. And they did that, and it was completely embarrassing. And it was like, all right, you had the ball twice with less than three minutes left, and you weren't able to move the chains once first with the chance to take the lead, then with the chance to tie the game, and you weren't able to do it, it was a completely different offense. And, JT, everything went downhill half of that short pass to Amir Abdullah, where on third and three, to be honest, me from the 20, I would have ran it and made Jacksonville burn their, ter- their final timeout. Mm-hmm. In the worst-case scenario, if you don't move the chains. If you move the chains with Josh Jacobs three yards, you got a fresh set of downs in the red zone with a minute left. Raiders didn't do it. They went and were aggressive, but that's the thing. Josh McDaniels, he's damned if he does, he's damned if he don't. He ended up going with the play that was a great play, bad execution, and the Raiders had to go with the field goal. Jacksonville responded with the field goal, 10-point game, and we know the rest of the story. Yeah, I think so. And, again, we look back on this, and we Monday morning quarterback, and a lot of fans are doing that. We appreciate your perspective. Harry Ruiz, as we wrap it up, very bizarre scenario with Indianapolis, and I nailed that one. I got that thing right on this channel last week and last night on my SiriusXM show. There was no doubt that Frank Wright was getting fired today, no doubt in my mind. 
And I thought the biggest mistake he made was benching Matt Ryan. And if I'm Jeff Saturday, the first thing I do is I reinstate Matt Ryan as the quarterback coming to Vegas. They're not going to make the playoffs, but they can gain their integrity back by putting in an integral leader, a future Hall of Famer with Matt Ryan, who has all these yards and touchdowns and has been in a situation like this before. Let him be the quarterback in Vegas and manage the game more so than Sam Ellinger, that if they let him play, then the Raiders have a really good chance of winning the game. With Matt Ryan at quarterback, I think it's a much more competitive game. How do you see it? I actually, we had the story when the Adam Schefter broke the news. We mentioned it on the air. We were interviewing Heidi, and I jokingly said, I was like, heck, go out the picture. Make Matt Ryan the head coach, and he's going to put himself in as the quarterback because he should be the quarterback for this team instead of having a young player like Sam Ellinger who got clobbered by that New England defense, which, by the way, if the Raiders end up playing Ellinger and don't get to Ellinger in this game, there's a huge problem with yeah, this defense point. after he got sacked nine times by New England. And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would be the smart choice, especially knowing that you don't have a play caller. The Colts' offensive coordinator got fired a couple of weeks ago. Then Frank Reich, who was calling the offensive plays, got fired today. They don't have anybody to call, to call the plays. Who is the guy that knows the playbook better than anybody right now in that building? Matt Ryan. Yeah. It would be the smart choice if he's a starting quarterback. So that's why I hope it doesn't happen. No, it's a very good point. I think that he'll be consulting in there, and he'll be there. And again, I just if you make him the play, if you make him the quarterback of the game, you don't have to make him the head coach. So Jeff Saturday can handle all the rah-rah, all the emotion in the locker room, have the place breaking stuff in Allegiant Stadium coming out of the tunnel. Saturday will be perfect at that. And then you have Matt Ryan just going to the line of scrimmage in his head with the playbook, doing whatever he wants to do. It's a really good point. Jonathan Taylor, I was looking forward to seeing him play when the schedule came out. He was potential MVP candidate. I like to see great players play at Allegiant Stadium. I saw Tom Brady. We saw the Raiders beat Drew Brees. I'd like to see stars play, depending on his status here. So we won't talk to you until the following Monday. What do you think the Raiders do this week in practice and bounce back so they, they have a better analysis and game plan in the second half of the Indy game? Go with the mindset where the score is 0-0 every time the offense gets the ball. Go in there or even, well, I was going to say, think that you're down on the score, but we saw what happened when that when they were down on the score on Sunday. So I'll just say, make believe it's 0-0, and every single time you're on the field, you got to get points out of there. Get into enemy territory. Get a killer mindset. The Raiders don't have one right now. They just mm-hmm. can't figure out a way to be that killers on the field, and they got to do it. You know, I think it, it's for we need better carne asada. My buddy Joe, who I introduce you out there. Cisco will have the modelos chilled well, the music. Uh, we'll have everything going out there in the black hole. We need a turnaround, Harry. Hey, you know I'll be out there, JT. Yeah, I get I there early just to set up my equipment and be able to be at the tailgate as long as possible. So I'll see you out there at the tailgate for sure. Thank you, Harry. Have a good week. You too, JT. Harry Ruiz, the Latino voice of the Silver and Black, does a really good job. I was texting with Jason Horowitz after the game. Uh, he's doing a hell of a job, I think, as the voice of the Raiders. He starts off his tenure two and six, and he's given everything he has on that broadcast, man. You can hear the emotion with Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, tomorrow, I'm with Lincoln Kennedy and Q on YouTube. We are on the Raiders Podcasting Network. We don't cancel it because the fans don't want to hear it, right? We don't say, well, the fans are pissed off. Let's cancel the Raiders Roundtable. We don't do that. We go in there. We roll up our sleeves, and we do that. That'll be tomorrow. And then Thursday, I interview the head coach, 
I go back. We asked him everything after the New Orleans game. He was accountable. I'm going to have to ask him again right out of the gate what happened against the Jaguars. He'll give me the answer, and then we'll preview Indy. And this is going to be an interesting week because he knows Frank right well. He addressed that. We have some Josh McDaniel sound from earlier today, if you didn't hear it live, when we carried it on the flagship here. So we'll have a couple of sound bites from the head coach coming up. We played you Devontae. And when we come back, Miles Simmons is going to join us, and he's from Pro Football Talk. We'll get his opinion, uh, not only on the Raiders, but we'll go around the league. Tom Brady made one big play. It was the difference between a win and a loss. The Jets beat the Bills. The Chargers won. How the hell are the Chargers winning? God, they're terrible, and they got five wins. I mean, this is the difference between a game of inches and a couple of plays in a game, the difference between the Raiders and the Chargers. Chargers haven't been up 17-0 in these games. The Raiders have, right? Raiders at least have shown they can go up 17-0. Chargers are trailing and hanging in there, and they're winning games like this. Pretty shocking to me and a good game coming up as the Niners are hosting a huge game coming up this week. And what about Geno Smith? I love the fact that the Raiders are playing Geno Smith. Geno Smith's not winning the MVP. He's going to lose some games. I hope the Raiders can go into the 206 of Seattle, Derek Carr versus Geno, and win that game. So we'll get to Miles coming up here in a little bit. Take your phone calls. We've been cruising through your calls, and we got room for more of you. So dial it up now, 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. We're brought to you by the 872 Laborers who beat, uh, built the stadium on time and on budget, led by Tommy White. Tommy is a proud partner of our show. We'll have him on later this week. He'll light a fire heading into that game, I promise you. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. JT, it's Aftermath Monday. We do this every Monday, win or loss. The losses are piling up. Uh, Raiders blew a 17-point lead in Jacksonville and lose to drop to 2-6. and six. They play Indianapolis coming in here. Indianapolis is as bad of a football team out there. You think the Raiders are struggling. Indy's not even in some of these games. Uh, the Raiders have been in all their games. That's what makes these losses so hard. You look at every single game. The Raiders won two. Uh, three of them, they've blown 17-point leads. If you win two of those, you're four and four. And these are all games that the Raiders could have been in and won and they haven't. A lot of other teams aren't even in games. They're done at the end of the first quarter, and they're getting mauled this year. And how do the Raiders find a way to win one? Well, we got. Let's get out to Miles Simmons, who's kind enough to join us from Pro Football Talk. Been interviewing him for years. Really value his opinion. Miles, the Indianapolis hire is very bizarre. And again, from if you can clarify, they have Reggie Wayne on their staff. The Rooney Rule. Jeff Saturday's on with Stephen A. Smith every morning. I knew that Ursay was unstable at times. He spoke out against Daniel Snyder. How is this deal developing? Get us up to speed. Well, you, you put it kind of kindly there. It, it is bizarre. You know, it, it's unprecedented in modern-day NFL history. I mean, the only person that anybody can find that you know, was an active player, had no real coaching experience, and then goes and is a coach was Norm Van Brocklin in 1961. And we're not even talking about somebody that was an active player, you know, last year, right? Just Saturday's been retired for a good amount of time. He's been on television for years. I mean, people, as you just said, you know, are used to seeing him on ESPN with Get Up and then with uh, Stephen A. Smith on first take. So this is an odd situation uh, to be kind, right? So, I mean, it, it kind of started developing 
Monday morning, is it gets uh, leaked out that Frank Reich has been fired, and then let's call it an hour and a half, hour fifteen minutes later, then it gets leaked out, and Jim Irsay subsequently announces that that Jeff Saturday is going to be the interim coach. They brought up the Rooney Rule now because it is an interim coach situation. The Colts don't have to go through that process. They they will have to whenever they decide to hire a real coach, presumably in January, you have to then Mm -hmm. go through that process and interview minority candidates. Um, But for the interim tag or an interim coach, you you can hire anybody you want and you don't have to go through that process. So that's kind of where things stand as we talk right now. Uh, They come in and they play the Raiders. Let's touch on that with the Raiders have lost three games up 17 points, two of them up 17, one up 20. And again, these are epic collapses that the league normally doesn't see, but it shows that the Raiders have been in all these games and played good enough to have big, big leads. But the collapses on the other side question the adjustments, the coaching and the players now and the coaches communication. How do you see this on a national level? Yeah, I mean, when you look at Devontae Adams, right, and you see that he's caught all nine of his targets for 146 yards and two touchdowns, you start to think, oh, in the first half, I should say that. You think, okay, they have figured something out. Maybe last week against the Saints really was some sort of anomaly. Who knows why it would happen? You know, things get weird when you're traveling in the middle of the season. You know you're spending the week in a, a place that you're not usually going to be at. You know, they're in Florida, and then they had to play another opponent there on the East Coast. Maybe that's the anomaly. But then the second half happens, right? And you see Devontae Adams finish with 10 catches for 146 yards and two touchdowns. And he only had one catch for zero yards in the second half. That's where you start to be like, wow, this is really, really concerning. Because not only do you lose last week 24 to zero, but then you have a situation where you're up, where you look good. And then you get afterwards, Devontae Adams is kind of questioning the play calling. Derek Carr says, and there are a lot of things that I want to say, but I need to handle that in house. This is a concerning look for a Raiders team that I think had high expectations for themselves. And frankly, I thought that they would be a lot better than they have ended up being this year. Miles Simmons is our guest. Let's run to why the confusion was there with Robert Sala's defense to Josh Allen. Looking at the tape and wondering how it's so easy for Buffalo to move the chains, throw it deep, throw it underneath, run it at times. I mean, that Jets defensive front is stout. That's a big win, and and Zach Wilson's been struggling all year long. What would you see in that Buffalo loss or more of the Jet win? I I think it is a combination of both. The the Bills are an interesting team to me in that they have these lapses sometimes. And it's weird when you see Josh Allen – throw errant passes like he did on those two interceptions. Those are the things that he did when he was younger in the league, you know, and in 2018 and 2019 when he was just starting to get into things. And he kind of grew out of that over the last two seasons. But now you saw it really kind of toward the end of that Packers game that they had last week, not just Sunday, where it was, wow, why is he making some of these weird reckless throws? That's what I kind of saw yesterday. And the, the thing, though, too, is when we're talking about defensive backs, so many times we're talking about how, oh, they didn't make the catch. Oh, that was a would-be interception, you know? But the Jets really converted those plays, and they made them into game-changers, and that really makes a huge, huge difference. And when you're talking about a team like the Buffalo Bills, 
you can't have those kinds of lapses if you want to be the number one overall seed in the conference. And we know that's what they want because if they do play the Chiefs again, and I think we're all hoping that they do, you want that thing in Buffalo where it's going to be raucous and loud and crazy and you won't have to at least contend with the opposing crowd like they have the last couple of years when they face the Chiefs in the postseason. Miles Simmons is our guest as we wrap it up. Pro Football Talk at Miles A. Simmons. So, that Brady game was weird. He made really one big play at the end. They never gave up. He showed a lot of emotion after the game, getting up to the podium. And you know, with Sean McVay and what's happening with the Rams and the reigning Super Bowl champs, the Super Bowl champs before that, and the Bucks. very interesting to see how difficult it was. Was it great defense being played or the quarterbacks just not in rhythm and struggling this year? Uh, I, I think it's that the offenses just are not where they used to yeah. be. I mean, especially for the Los Angeles Rams, that offensive line is absolutely in shambles. I mean, it, they don't have five starting caliber players right now for that offensive line. And it's really unfortunate. And that's kind of why you see Matthew Stafford struggle, but also they don't have the weapons. But then on the other side, I mean, yeah, Brady and that offense, they've struggled too. But I thought that the Rams played really good defense for 59 minutes in that game. And the problem is, it's a 60-minute game, mm-hmm. right? So you have to be able to stop them on that last drive. And oh, the Rams, yeah, they had, what, I think, eight or nine first downs that entire game, under 210 yards of offense. So if you look at it in totality, the Rams' offense was the problem in that game, and it's why they lost. But if you break it down to, you know, you have a chance to win the game with your defense on the field, and all you have to do is stop a team with no timeouts, for about, what, 40-some seconds? you got to be able to do that and get that done. So I think that because the Buccaneers are in the NFC South, they still have a chance. But the Rams, I think that they might be out of it. Uh, Finally, where do you stand on Aaron Rodgers? In theory, because of the power that he's had, he's had this unbelievable career with one team. If I was him, I wouldn't do the Brett Favre and go to the Jets and the Vikings and a whole bunch of other teams. I'd retire as a one-team quarterback for the Packers, the greatest quarterback they've had. You could debate Bart Starr and Favre, and that's a good debate, but the MVPs are lining up here. Or does he force his way out of there and take another shot because he's healthy and he loves to play? And, you know, if he gets out of Green Bay, he'll get a fresh start with a new team next year, and it could be the best thing that ever happened to him. What do you see happening here? It could be, but I don't know. I just, I feel like Aaron Rodgers, when you listen to him and you watch him in these press conferences, it seems like he feels like he's nearing the end and this is not as fun for him as it used to be. I mean, you sort of saw the relief when we were kind of of talking about this, right? With Tom Brady and he gets on the podium and he's elated. And even if Aaron Rodgers starts winning games and they somehow come back and they make it to the postseason, I don't know if we're going to see that from Aaron Rodgers. This just looks hard. It looks stressful. And he doesn't look like he's having a very good time. And I think when that starts to be the case for you in football, it might be time to hang it up. I agree with you 100%. Always a pleasure talking to my friend. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. No problem, JC. Take care. You got it. Miles Simmons from Pro Football Talk there. For Aaron Rodgers... I mean, it feels like a complete rebuild. And Devontae, what's interesting here on Raider Nation Radio, is Devontae left Aaron Rodgers. If he doesn't leave Aaron Rodgers, there's no doubt they're winning there with him. They were perfect together. Perfect together. I respect for Devontae for coming to Vegas. He wanted a new start, wanted to play with Derek. And Derek and him have been on the same page a bunch, and it looks amazing when they connect here. But Derek is not Aaron Rodgers. He's just not. And that's not a fault to Derek. Derek's not Mahomes. He's not Rodgers. 
but Derek could be very good with Devontae. And if Devontae doesn't leave Green Bay, we know Green Bay's better, and they have a better record, and they're at least in the playoff hunt. Because I think Green Bay, Green Bay's record now is three and six, one and four on the road. With Devontae, you know, after nine games, I think they're five and four or four and five, one game out. Look at the, look at the record in the NFC South with all the teams four and five, including Tom Brady. The shame for the Raiders this year. Damon, the shame for the Raiders is all they had to do was hang around. Isn't this incredible? This is the year. Like last year, they had to win their final four to get to 10 or they wouldn't have got in. This year, they didn't have to do that. This year, they just had to be four and four. All they had to do was beat Arizona and Jacksonville. They're four and four. And everything's fine because you look at the rest of the schedule and you're like, okay, Indy's a win. Seattle could be a win. Denver should be a win. The Rams, the Rams look terrible. I don't, maybe we don't beat the Rams, but maybe we do. And you start looking at the rest of the schedule going, the Chargers are at least here, not in L.A., and things start to look positive. But you can't look at it when you're 2-6 and six that way. Yeah, you can't look at it that way or you don't want to. But I'm of the belief of until you are math, mathematically yeah. eliminated, you still have a chance. I agree. Every game is going to be a must-win from this point on. But until they, the NFL comes out and you see the graphic, hey, the Raiders, there's no way they can make the playoffs, this team still has to keep fighting. Where you mentioned the game, the Chargers, they almost lost that game yesterday if that Falcons defender doesn't fumble as he picks up oh. the fumble recovery. So it's just so many different variables there. Hey, they're two and six now, but you mentioned the Eagles earlier. Someone texted you about the Eagles. Two and five. I remember being in the um, post-game, you know, press conference on the Eagles side of it. And Fletcher Cox is basically despondent. You know, Nick Sirianni, he has no answers. And like you said, they just they bought in eventually. And I'm not saying that this Raiders team is going to win out the rest of the the, the schedule here, but hey, they could still make it back to 500. And you say, hey, Demon, why are you being such an optimist? An optimist? But you have to be if you're a fan of this team. Because they just pack it up and we all go home. What's the point of us doing radio? Yeah, why wouldn't you be optimistic? I'm optimistic. I'm always optimistic. You got to try to be. You can't be negative every day of your life, especially during football season, man. We got to do radio January, February, March, April, May, June, July, man. You're going to be hearing more LeBron James talk than you ever heard in your life on this show coming up here if this thing doesn't get turned around quickly. Got to get this thing moving. And I'm optimistic that they can play big. I wish they didn't fire Frank Wright. I really do. I wish the Frank Reich was taking this team into Vegas the way they're playing now. Jeff Saturday and that hiring only makes this thing more uncomfortable. Because Jeff Saturday, again, he's not supposed to know anything. He came off TV. I'm texting Stephen A. Smith, my friend, about this. Maybe we'll get him on or talk about it later in the week. Jeff Saturday's coming in with nothing but upside. If he wins the game, he's a miracle worker. And what does it make the Raiders look like? So the Raiders have to prepare... Now, for something they have no idea what's going to happen. We don't know what the game plan is going to be. And Jonathan Taylor and his injury is a big deal. But I've been predicting this thing exactly right with Frank Reich. Exactly right. If I'm the Colts, I name Matt Ryan the starter now. I just name him today. Get him to Tuesday, the off day. Give him the playbook on Wednesday. And Matt Ryan's going up against Derek Carr. That's what I thought was going on when the schedule came out. I'm looking at him circling wins and losses. I'm like... Man, Colts got a pretty good offensive line. They got Jonathan Taylor. They got Matt Ryan. It's going to be a tough game. Not if you put Matt Ryan in a baseball cap on the sideline. He's not playing. And you give us Sam Ellinger, anything could happen with him. All right, we'll come back and wrap it up. Good time to dial now if you want to get through. We'll get to everybody who calls in before the top of the hour. 702-365-9200. 
I think we're going to extend the aftermath till tomorrow, too. Uh, we have a couple of guests. Jeff Sherman, our odds maker, will come on in. I think we have Levi. Damon, I'll look through our grid and to see who we have on tomorrow. But we still want to get this loss out of us, the bad taste in the mouth. So we'll do something similar like we've done today, tomorrow. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. JT, thanks for coming back, everybody, as we wrap it up. Thanks to the botanist, Jen, Remy Martin. Team up for excellence with the Remy Martin. Also, Sidecar. Remy Martin, proud partner of our show. Uh, Jeff, Saturday, there's supposed to be a Colts introductory press conference. We'll probably have that sound for you tomorrow. Q's on deck. He's going to join you next with Damon there. He was at the press conference earlier today with Josh McDaniels, I'm sure. He'll have a lot to say as we wrap up the show. Jay in Los Angeles. Jay, you're up next. Thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Thank you for taking my call. Listen, you know, just always you're a good word of influence out there. I just wanted to go ahead and kind of like add on. I know that everybody's kind of like egging on on Josh McDaniels, and we have to go ahead and kind of like give him, you know, that chance. Obviously, with the signings, everything, the expectations were off the roof, and then now, look where we're at. We are where we are. We're two and six. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I love about Radio Nation is that we're a family, and we have to look at adversity right now. It sucks. It's not something that we're used to. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, it's not something that we want to go ahead and kind of like accept. But also, you know, I see a lot of things, especially in the offense with um, Josh McDaniels, when they're trying to go ahead and kind of like make adjustments. I don't see Mike Lombardi being an ear and influence to, mm -hmm. to, uh, to Carr. I don't see him out there. And these are things that I'm kind of like questioning. We question a lot of things with the offense. But I know it's a working process. But obviously the proof is in the pudding. And we just, you know, it's a debacle, especially with the defense. You can, I don't even want to talk about the defense. It's the defense, it is what it is. It's soft. It's soft like yeah. my pillow. It's, uh, it's terrible. But we have to go ahead and come to the conclusion that, hey, listen, we have to right now take it one game at a time. It's Indianapolis. We have to. We can't look ahead. We can't look at what if what. We got to look at what's in front of us. And pretty much, you know, we have to be the best that we can be with this team right now as what it is. Okay. Mm -hmm. We got to go and take it. Listen, yesterday I was a complete ass to my wife because my demeanor, my attitude towards the team, I was just, you know, and I'm just a terrible i was terrible mm -hmm. I, you know and i want to apologize because i have the best wife in the world i am the luckiest mm -hmm. guy because without her i wouldn't be where i'm at and i have to go ahead and keep on and i told her i'm sorry i apologize i told her i love her and we have to go ahead and kind of like you know unite come close we got to be like the nation that we are and really support this team yeah. we've got to go ahead and look at indianapolis i don't care if jeff saturday or whatever is coaching, we have to go ahead and kind of like unite. I know I was watching uh, the Tennessee Titans, 
And I saw Mike Rabel. He can go ahead and have a team ready to go into Kansas City with chicken soup and just punch mm. those guys in the mouth. And that's what I want with the Raiders. But right now, we don't have yeah. that. All right. That's the frustrating part. All right, let okay? me jump in. First off, Josh McDaniels had the Raiders ready to go into Kansas City. Had them great in Kansas City. They're up 17 nothing. So you had the team ready to go, too. The team just fell apart. And uh, that's a very memorable call, I hope, for me down the road. A gentleman used my radio show to apologize to his wife. That's really what I do, I guess, on days like today. Guys who call in, they feel guilty. He was hammering away verbally at his wife, really uncomfortably. So he called me in the hopes that she might be listening, or at least she's probably not listening. I, I, I would assume she's not listening, but he just wanted to kind of play it out with me as therapist. You know, I really did this to my wife, and I want to tell you how I feel about it on your show. And I'm serious about that. I appreciate that. That's what, what we do here. We give you an outlet. We give you an outlet to talk and, and get everything off your chest, and I appreciate that. I don't take that for granted. Ray, wrap up the show. What's going on, Ray? Hi, GT. First-time caller. How are you? Good. Thank you. All right. So, full disclosure, I, I'm not married, so I have no uh, upset <laughs> wife to be worried about. <laughs> right. So, quick point. So, not equipped to get the coach, but I've watched the Patriots. I'm not a Patriots fan, but over the years, you know, Belichick has been known as the second-half guru. He comes out and makes adjustments. And it seems like to me that the Raiders this year, they just, the second half, they lose these games. So here's my thing. I'm not. I'm not quipping on the coaching. I'm, I'm just. I'm just saying, maybe this would be something to talk about with you when you coming up with, with Coach McDaniels. I mean, why is it the Raiders? They they just seem to come out and they cannot. If this is the Patriot way, why are we losing these yeah. games in the second half? Okay, we're supposed yeah. to be the Patriot way. Belichick, brilliant. Halftime, you know, he he makes adjustments. He wins games. Why? Why are you having? Okay, that's fair. You got. Appreciate you. Thank you very much. You just got to understand one thing from my perspective. When I do my in-house interview with him, and we look ahead at the opponent, if I say to him, Coach McDaniel, we open up the interview. Let's say this Thursday, Coach McDaniel's. I opened up last week saying you apologize to the fans. Right. I don't know anything more difficult I can say to him than that. You apologize to the fans. How did the team react this week? That was my opening question. Didn't take me a long time to put that together. So if I go in and interview him on Thursday, what am I going to say? Coach, let's begin. Why is the team collapsing? He's answered that question 10 times this week already to the insiders who were staring in front of him. So what we'll do is we'll say, Coach, you look back at that brutal loss, tough loss. How has the team reacted considering what Devontae said, Derek said? How did you handle the team this week? And he'll give me an answer. He's not going to sit there and destroy his team. He's not going to throw his coaches under the bus. They don't do it that way. It's a media availability on the hometown home team coaches show. And we'll ask him what we're going to ask him, but we're going to move on to Indy and see how they can win the game there. I really thought they'd win the game big until this firing of the coach over there and what's happening in Indy. I'm telling you, it's been a weird year. Get ready for Indy now coming in on a business trip after their coach just got fired. I think that changes everything. I think the Raiders will win, but it changes everything. Listen to Q. He's got a big show. It comes up now.